0: topic today is Genesis Continued, the story of the father of the faithful, Abraham. Today, Abraham leaves Haran and arrives in Palestine. Sarah finds herself in Pharaoh's harem. She's 65 years old. Some would say, how did she do it? Lot, Abraham's nephew, moves to Hollywood, Oops, to Sodom. War breaks out and Lot and his family are taken prisoner. Will they be rescued? All these questions will be answered in today's meeting. Would you please take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 to 3. And this is where the book of Genesis introduces the great hero of the book. His name is Abraham, because he becomes the father of the promised people, of the chosen people. The Lord had said to Abram, not Abraham, but Abram, it's called Abraham later. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you i will make you into a great nation and i will bless you i will make your name great you will be a blessing i will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you i will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you we have here a command first and foremost god says i want you to go he says I want you to leave there's the command and then we have a promise God says I will make you into a great nation and then thirdly there is a blessing I will bless you whenever God gives a man or a woman a command God always gives a promise I'm going to be with you I will make your name great I will care for you, and I will bless you. And Of course, the great promise of God came to pass. Abraham became the father of the Israelites, also not quite as well known in this part of the world, the father of the Arabs, and of course, the spiritual father of all true believers. That was the great nation. I would like to suggest to each one of you sitting here today and to our television audience that God may be saying to you today, I want you to go. I want you to leave. He may want you to leave a certain situation or else he may be saying, I want you to stay. But whatever God says, whenever he gives a command, God always gives a promise. He says. I'm going to do something with your life. And then God says, I will bless you. And so if God is calling some of you today to leave your old work, occupation, because God is calling you to keep his commandments, perhaps the Sabbath, God may be saying to you, I want you to leave this situation so you can serve me fully. God will say to you also, I will be with you and I will bless you. Would you look at verses 4 and onwards of Genesis chapter 12 in this exciting chapter. So Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was seventy-five years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people. They had acquired in Haran or Ran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. This was a journey of some four hundred miles. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Haran is a little town in the north of old Mesopotamia in the south of what we call today Turkey. He traveled some 400 miles and finally he came to the old city of Shechem. The Bible says that Abraham was very wealthy. He took all of these possessions. It is interesting that the Hebrew language in which the book of Genesis is written by Moses says that Abraham was very heavy. Uh, We would say today another figure of speech we would say that Abraham was loaded. (laughs) Abraham was a wealthy man. He was heavy with gold and silver. Let me tell everybody this. There is nothing wrong with riches if honestly acquired and dedicated to God. A man who's got riches can do so much for the cause of Christ. So Abraham was a very wealthy man. God blessed him. God made him wealthy. Jesus on one occasion said... It's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. That is because Jesus was talking about people whose money was not dedicated to God. But a person dedicated to God with his money, what a blessing, what a great blessing. Now the text says the Canaanites were in the land And so God said, I'm going to give you this land, Abraham. But when he got there, he found other people had the title deeds. And the Bible says, you read it in verse 7, he built an altar to God. The wonderful thing is this, my friend, wherever Abraham went in the land of the Philistines and the lands of the heathen, Abraham was not afraid to declare his faith. So the first thing he did, he built an altar to God. He left altars across the land, testimonials to his faith. He could say with the Apostle Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. He was not ashamed of his faith, neither should we be. Some people have said to me, how do you think the heathen are going to be saved? Some of my friends have the idea that if a heathen person simply believes in his heathen God and is sincere, he's going to be saved. I do not believe that idea. I believe that a person is saved by faith in the true and the living God. God put Abraham or Abram in the land of the Philistines, the land of the pagans, so that he could testify to the, these people for his faith that is why God put the children of Israel on one occasion in the land of Babylon so they could testify so they could hear so the heathen could hear the good news the heathen are saved by a personal encounter with God through the preaching of the Word of God this is why Abraham built his altars I want to say to every person sitting here today in a very special sense Every home ought to be an altar. Every home ought to have an altar. Just a little while ago when I was in Korea and we went to Seoul, never been there before, but what a sight when one got out of the plane and started to travel across Seoul. Everywhere you went, and those of you who have been there will remember, the sky is lit up with crosses, blue crosses. Christian crosses. That country basically is a Buddhist pagan country. But there are many Christians and when they build a church they put a cross on the top of the church and that cross tells people the people in that vicinity believe in Christ. Every home of every church right here in Los Angeles and across this country ought to be an altar to God. Your home in your street, my friend, ought to be God's witness to the people that you are not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God to salvation to every person who believes. You see, my friend every person who believes in God is a missionary and that is why the Waldenses said to their people ye shall be missionaries or ye shall be nothing and when the church ceases to evangelize and preach the gospel of God the church is a stinking abomination in the eyes of the Lord and is destined to the fires of hell you say that is strong Yes, and there are stronger statements in here to come. The church has not been called to talk about evangelism. It has been called to do evangelism. And any church, I tell you, that is a social club where the people come simply to be titivated by the sermon is a gross irrelevancy in the sight of God And the words of Jesus are appropriate. It would be good if you had not been born. Then to take space and pollute that space with anything else than the preaching of Christ. And the call to repentance. You say this is strange theology. Yes it is. It is Christ's theology. It is the theology of the Bible. Would you read on? That's why in this church we believe in evangelism. That's why we're going to St. Petersburg for this great crusade. This is why we believe. This is why we give. Verse 8. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord. Everywhere an altar called on the name of the Lord then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev that's the desert in the south of Israel today now there was a famine in the land Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe as he was about to enter Egypt he said to his wife Sarai I know what a beautiful woman you are when the Egyptians see you they will say this is his wife they will kill me but will let you live say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and my life will be spared because of you." She was sixty five. She must have taken lots of vitamins probably got the antioxidants from somebody like Norma when Abram came to Egypt the Egyptians saw that she was a very beautiful woman and when Pharaoh's officials saw her they praised her to Pharaoh she was taken into his palace they said there's a woman come from Palestine great mighty Pharaoh and well verse 16 he treated Abram well for her sake and Abraham acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, men servants and maidservants, and camels. I want to say to every person who is watching the telecast, 65 years of age, nobody ought to despair. <laughs> there is hope. But I would also remind you that Abraham died when he was, I think, 175, and Sarah. When she was 127, she was like a 30-year-old woman. 65, but she could still turn ahead. Abraham is called in Scripture a righteous man and the friend of God. But even righteous men and friends of God do foolish things and she was his sister his half-sister and so he told a half-truth but the half-truth on this occasion was a total lie because she was his wife he gave in to fear and let me remind you of something my beloved friend fear makes fools of good men Fear makes fools of good men. And he was to discover that human scheming is, so, is no substitute for trust in divine power. My friend, he should have trusted in divine power, but he played the politician. Now the Bible says that he profited from this lie. And Pharaoh gave him lots and lots of stuff. Do you know what you call that stuff that he received? Steve says goodies. There's a word for it. A dowry. And she was in the harem. And Abraham was receiving the dowry. And God was not pleased. Would you notice verses 17 and onwards. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household because of Abraham's wife Sarai so Pharaoh summoned Abraham I imagine my friend he was hopping mad don't you think paid out all this dowry Mm Mm-hmm. one of the worst business deals he'd ever undertaken he summons Abraham what have you done to me he said why didn't you tell me she was your wife why did you say she is my sister so that I took her to be my wife now then here is your wife take her and go then Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men and they sent him on his way with his wife and everything he had they were glad to get rid of him this tells me a number of truths nothing is hidden from God God knows everything we do God knows the lies we tell it tells me something else that even though Abraham had goofed up pretty badly God did not, and so did Sarai, God did not forsake them when they made a mistake. This shows you the mercy of God. But even though God forgave and protected them, Abraham and Sarai lost a great opportunity to witness to Pharaoh. What did he think about these people? These were people who professed to be the children of God, and they served a superior God than Amon-Ra, And yet there were people who were capable of deception but in spite of abraham's sin with sarai's willing compliance god's name was still glorified because god is still god pharaoh was forced to acknowledge the presence and the power of the living god and he didn't put forth his hand to hurt this prophet of god because he knew that even though he was an imperfect man in himself he was still the prophet of the most high God. And so he sent him on his way. Look at Genesis 13 verses 1 and 2. So Abraham went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had and Lot went with him Abram had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and in gold. I say once again, my friend, the text says he was heavy with it. We would say he was loaded. Verse three and onwards. In fact, today, Bill, if he was living, he might have driven an S-Class Mercedes. But oh, he gave great offerings. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel. That's a little town just north of Jerusalem. To the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier. And where he'd first built an altar. There Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Altars of witness. The silver that he had most likely came from Mesopotamia. And the gold came from Egypt. And just a few days ago when I was in Egypt I saw the gold of the pharaohs. Tons of the stuff. Now notice verses 5 to 9. Now Lot who was moving about with Abraham also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abraham's herdsmen and the herdsmen of Lot. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. And so they've got so much. God has blessed them so much. And riches, my friend, are the blessing of God. Don't despise riches. Because if you have riches, you can bless the cause of God. And that's what God intends you to do. Don't be like the man who said, get all you can. Can all you get. And then sit on the lid. Now Abraham was greatly blessed by God. And so was Lot greatly blessed by God and the land was not sufficient to hold them all and they started at least their servants started to quarrel among themselves and abraham being the big man made a big decision verse 8 so abram said to lot let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herdsmen and mine for we are brothers is not the whole land before you Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Now, I want you to think about this. Abraham was, without any question, the senior partner. The land had not been promised to Lot. It had been promised to Abraham. Lot was there by the mercy of his uncle Abraham. Abraham had the right to say I'm in charge here. You go to the left and I'll go to the right. But I'll make the decisions. But he said you take the first choice. You choose. This shows my friend in spite of his human frailties. The generous spirit of the patriarch. And let me tell every person here today. A believer can afford to be generous let me say it again a believer a child of God can afford to be magnanimous listen to this because the world will laugh about this statement I believe it I try to live by it it's far better to be taken advantage of than to be the one who takes advantage of another do I hear the whisper of an amen. amen. It is far better to be taken advantage of than to be the one who takes advantage of another. Because if you're taken advantage of because of the sincerity of your heart you are still noble and God will bless you. But if you are a schemer who drives a hard bargain and takes advantage of your brother, you've cut yourself off from the face of God. Far better, my friend, to be taken advantage of than to be the one who takes advantage of another. One of the popes spoke about the seven deadly sins. And one of the seven deadly sins, and the pope was correct when he said it was greed. We call it meanness. Charles Dickens wrote an immortal classic called A Christmas Carol that everybody has seen ad nauseum at Christmas time. The star of A Christmas Carol is an old skin flint whose name is Ebenezer Scrooge. A man who always drove a shrewd hard bargain and when he thought of giving to others said bah humbug you know him he is alive today and many who profess to keep the commandments of god are his children they are mean They always want the best for themselves. They still have the first dollar bill they ever earned. Would such a person please stand up? (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about today? Tight-fisted. I have met them. Filled with their piety they know everything about their particular brand of theology. But don't buy a car off them unless it's new such as you can buy from Bob New. Because if you buy a second hand car off them they will not tell you the defects because their righteousness does not extend to money. And they're the most pious and they hold some of the highest positions in the church. Jesus spoke about the Pharisees. And he said, you who love money. The Pharisees who made a pretension of their Sabbath keeping and their tithe paying were skin flints. Mean. Mean. But jesus said on one occasion and paul recorded this he said it is more blessed to give than to receive you can tell if a person is a child of god by the generosity of his spirit if he is a tight wad, if he is a person who drives a hard bargain and chortles to himself that he got the best of the deal know that he is not a child of God but a child of the devil. I'm sure this is going to be my most popular talk. (laughs) But Abraham, the senior member of the partnership said, take the first choice, my son, and Lot, because he was filled with greed, took the best. He must have laughed. What's happened to poor old Abraham? He's been out in the sun for too long. Verse 10 says, Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zor. I've been to Zor. Zor is not too nice today. It's a howling wilderness. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. The King James Version says he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against Sodom the Lord. Now the Bible indicates that this part of the world which is a howling wilderness, wilderness today is very, was once very fertile. I was there just very recently. I have been to what we think is the area of Zor and Sodom and Gomorrah. But it appears from the Bible and from ancient historians that this part was once the most glorious area of Palestine. Even the land today in the southern part of the Dead Sea, that area is tremendously fertile, and if you can get water to it, it will grow anything. The Dead Sea is not nearly the size that it used to be. It's much bigger. In the days of the Bible, it was much smaller. And that whole southern area where the plain was, was fantastic. This is where you had the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. A great booming place. And this man chose that place. And the Bible says he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Let me tell you some interesting facts. Let me tell you a few things about Sodom. The Bible indicates that they were great sinners against the Lord we're told in Scripture that they were guilty of sexual perversion. Some things are not politically correct to talk about, but they're morally correct to talk about. I don't give you much time for this political correctness, which has put a seal upon the lips of men and women who ought to speak the truth. The Bible tells us that when the angels came to Sodom, Lot took them in. The people gathered around and said, bring those men out so we can have sex with them. It was a city given over, the Bible says, to sexual perversion. The Bible says that Sodom had other sins, fullness of bread, idleness was in his street pride of opinion so here were people my friend who despised the poor but people who'd given themselves over to sexual perversions the Bible talks about men with men doing that which was unseemly and Lot thought he'd made the best part of the bargain oh he went home and said to Mrs. Lot we made a great business deal today with poor old uncle Abraham but unknown to him and Mrs. Lott he'd made the worst blunder of his life that was to lead to the death of his wife and the depravity of his daughters my friend any decision for selfish reasons Any decision without the blessing of God is going to turn into a desert. I want you to notice Genesis 13 and we'll read on where I left off a minute ago dear hearts, gentle people. Verse 14, the Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram moved his tents and went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he built an altar to the Lord. Now I want to talk about something that I consider and most theologians would consider to be very important. This is going to be a little parenthesis in the talk, a little theology. Thousands of years ago, around 4,000 years ago, God said to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. Have a look at it. Walk around the land. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you through your children. and he had many children the children of Israel today the children of the flesh in Israel itself read those words and they say God gave us this land but the Arabs also came from Abraham and they read the words of God and they say God gave us this land. And so the Arabs and the Israelis who believe in the one God say, we have a divine mandate to this land. I'm going to say something which is theologically, biblically true, but which is politically incorrect. No man today has a divine mandate to that land. And I will tell you why. All of the promises of God, my beloved Jewish brothers and sisters, my Arab brothers and sisters, my Christian brothers and sisters, all the promises of God are based on conditions. And Israel had the right to the land while Israel was faithful to God. You and I cannot take the promises of God if we're breaking the conditions. And there was a time when those conditions were broken. I want you to come to Matthew 21 and verse 43 dear hearts. Matthew 21. Don't you find the Bible interesting? Jesus said, and he's talking to the leaders of Israel. Therefore, Matthew 21 43, please read it in the Bible. Therefore, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruits. God said, I'm going to take the kingdom of God away from you because you have broken the covenant and I'm going to give it to another nation bringing forth the fruits. What does this mean? Would you come to the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 15 and 16. The apostle Paul says, Brothers, Let me take an example from everyday life, just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say into seeds, meaning many people, but unto your seed, meaning one person, that is Christ. The promises, my friend, are fulfilled in the seed. And the seed is Christ. How does that affect us? Look at verse 26 and onwards. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. I'm reading from Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. My friend, who is going to be the recipient of this great promise? The seed. And who is the seed? Christ and who is in the seed his children whether they're jews or arabs or australians or americans it is no longer a distinctive nationality it is the people of god that promise my friend is going to be fulfilled not in this old world of sin i don't want the west bank i don't want the city of jerusalem I want the earth made new. And one day the people of God led by Abraham are going to become the recipients of the promise of God to Abraham. And they are going to inherit the earth. Jesus said blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. God has a new Israel and the promise is for the believer. Look at Genesis 14, dear hearts. Isn't this good news, though? It takes all the politics out of it, doesn't it? it? Takes all the politics out of it. Genesis 14, at this time, Amraphel, king of Shina, Ariok, king of Elassah, Keroleamah king of Elam and Tidal king of Goim went to war against Bera king of Sodom, Bersha king of Gomorrah, Shinab king of Admar, Shamibar, king of Zeboim, and the king of Bela that is Zor. All of these latter kings joined forces in the valley of Sidon the salt sea. For 12 years they had been subject to Ketorleomer. But in the 13th year they rebelled. And so just when Lot is having a nice time. And enjoying the pleasant amenities of Sodom. Because he's no longer camped outside in Sodom. He has brought up real estate. He's in Sodom. And when he thinks things have never been so peachy. And so rosy. He gets caught up in a war. (laughs) Jesus said, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Verse 8. Then the king of Sodom, the king of Gomorrah, the king of Admah, the king of Zeboim, the king of Belah, that is Zor, marched out and drew up their battle lines in the valley of Siddam against Kedorlaomer, a king of Elam, title king of Goiim, Amraphel, king of Shinar, and Aria, king of Alisar. Four kings against five. Now the valley of Sidon was full of tar pits, and when the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah fell, some of the men fell into them, and the rest fled to the hills. The four kings seized all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their food. Then they went away. They also carried off Abraham's nephew Lot and his possessions since he was living in Sodom. I say, my friend, if you're going to live with the heathen and act like the heathen, don't be surprised if God treats you like the heathen. The first shall be last. It's a great business deal. I've got everything I need. I'm living here. And poor old Abraham is out there in the desert. But Lot discovers that any decision without the blessing of God is fraught with peril. And now he is a prisoner of war, but God hasn't forgotten him, neither has his uncle. God bless Abram. Verse 13, one who had escaped came and reported this to Abram the Hebrew. First time the term Hebrew is mentioned in the Bible. Now Abram was living near the great trees of Mamre the Amorite, a brother of Eshkal and Anah, all of whom were allied with Abram. When Abraham heard that his relative, relative had been taken captive, he called out the 318 trained men born in his household and went and pursued as far as Dan. That's about as far north as you can go. Way up to Dan he went, north of the Sea of Galilee. During the night, Apron divided his men to attack them, and he routed them, pursuing them as far as Hobar, north of Damascus. He recovered all the goods and brought back his relative Lot and his possessions, together with the women and the other people. This man, my friend, was a mighty man of war. He was a patriarch. He was a saint of God, and he was a general. and he was successful his family with all of the relatives and the friends and the hangers-on more than a thousand he won the battle God fought with him and verse 17 after Abraham returned from defeating Keroleomer and the kings allied with him the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah that is the king's valley then Melchizedek, king of Salem—that's Jerusalem—brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, "Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High who delivered your enemies into your hand." Then Abraham or Abram gave him a tenth of everything in Jerusalem which was a fortress city a pagan city god had a man there who was priest of almighty god and he comes out to meet the patriarch and he blesses him because he sees that god is with him and abraham pays him a tithe first time tithing is mentioned in the bible tithing is taught in the bible Every person who believes in God will return to the servant of God a faithful tithe. And then you read some rather remarkable words. Would you notice them? Verse 21, The king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the people, keep the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you. Not even a thread or the thong of a sandal. So that you will never be able to say I made Abraham rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten in the share that belongs to the men who went with me. To Anur, Eshcol and Mamre. Let them have their share spirit of generosity he refused to be an opportunist at the expense of others but faithfully he returned to god a tithe to you my friend the bible says bring all the tithes into the storehouse the tithe is not ours it belongs to god for the support of the ministry and the preaching of the gospel what do we learn from all this Here is the summary. It is safe to go anywhere if God sends you. Safe to leave Haran and live in the land of the Philistines if God sends you. Even when we make mistakes like Abraham and Sarah, God does not forsake us. Riches are a blessing when dedicated to God because God can use rich people for the furtherance of his kingdom. People who make selfish decisions may get more than they bargain for because the first will be last. And every Christian home, my friend, should be an altar to the glory of God across the land. And tithing is God's plan. Every person needs to tithe to God. And the promised land is mine today and forevermore if I truly believe in Christ. Please bear your heads. Our Father God we thank you for these remarkable chapters from Genesis. They tell us that the saints of God were just ordinary frail people but were dedicated to you. We thank you for the lessons we've learned today Help us not to make decisions based on selfishness but to make them based on the good of others and to glorify your name. Help us to return to God our tithes and our offerings that we might be blessed but so that we might bless others. And help us to know that the promise of a wonderful earth, a wonderful world filled with happy men and women, boys and girls, is not given today to any special racial group but is given to the seed. And Christ is the seed. And if we are in Christ, we are counted heirs. We thank you that one day Abraham and Isaac And all the saints of God are going to get their reward. Not in this world, not in old Palestine, not in literal Jerusalem, but in the earth made new. May the people in church today decide that with Abraham they will inherit the kingdom of God prepared for them from the foundation of the world. As we're praying today with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, how many in the church will say today, I want to be part of the seed. I want to be counted part of the seed. I want to be in Christ today. Would you raise your hand? Lift it up high. I want to be part of the seed. I want to be in Christ. I want to be a child of God, even though I make mistakes, God, I want to be covered by the blood of the Lamb and I want to be saved in the kingdom. Lift up your hand and tell God that. Dear Lord, write these names down in your book today. Fill them with peace and joy and the spirit of the living God and grant them heaven at last through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.